because I feel like one of the biggest things that is holding you back from your next level is thinking about what you did yesterday. And you're either leveraging yesterday because you had these amazing dynamic results and you're like, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, and so I am. Or you are leveraging yesterday to be an excuse for why you can't do what it is that you want to do today. Oh, these circumstances, oh, this happened or that breakup or how I felt or I didn't have the money. I want you to know right now, and if you're taking notes, go ahead and let's start this out. Write this down. What happened to you yesterday does not define who you are today. I heard someone say this a while ago, and it's a quote that has stuck with me for so long. Because when you think about how you live your life, many of us are not living in the right now. Most of us are either living in the past of things that happened or we're living hopeful for the future about things that hadn't happened yet. And though past, present, and future all play dynamic roles in our lives, it's really important to honor where you are right now in this moment today. I want you to release your past. I want you to set it free. I want you to even relish in the beauty of your past if it's brought you incredible joy in your life, great experience, great accomplishments and accolades. But we have to move on from it. We have to move on from it because when I am talking to new entrepreneurs and I am coaching people and I am challenging them to do better than they did the day before, the common question that I get is, well, yesterday I did my very best. So how am I going to do better than my very best? And I had this conversation on uh, Instagram. I went live with this conversation and the conversation was so impactful for so many people that I believe that you needed to, because you may not have seen that and you needed to. And so what I'm going to talk to you about right now is your best and why your best is keeping you from your greatest your best is keeping you from becoming your greatest self and achieving the greatest thing that is waiting for you. Because if I'm being totally transparent, your best is just not good enough. Your best is just not good enough. So right now, you are working towards something. You have a goal or you think you're working towards something. You've written down a plan. You've written down a to-do list. You've got these action steps identified and you're taking baby steps. You're balancing these goals around your career. You're balancing your goals around your relationship. You're balancing your goals around parenthood. You're balancing it around everything else except for, except for focusing and zeroing in on that goal specifically. And you believe that if you carve out 30 minutes today, if you carve out 45 minutes today, if you work an extra 10 minutes that you're actually doing your best, you believe writing out the list, you believe showing up to the gym is doing you your best. You believe uh, skipping a red meat in your diet today is doing your best. You believe spending time with your significant other uh, watching a good show on Netflix that you usually don't do just to get some quality time and is doing your best. And I am here to tell you that your best is not good enough. We have to move out of this mindset of doing our best and move into the mindset of doing what's required. Immediately right now, I want you to say to yourself, I understand that my best isn't good enough. And from this point forward, starting today, I am not just doing my best. I am going to do what's required. Let me tell you why. 
who's measuring your best? What is the scale in which we determine that the best that you're doing is good enough, right? Who are we measuring that up against? Because I'll tell you this, on a journey to entrepreneurship to get to the next level, your best probably isn't what I believe my best is. And my best most likely isn't what I believe my mentor's best is, right? Best is subjective. It's subjective to who you are. It's subjective to what you feel like doing. It's subjective to what your experiences have been in your life so far. And when we're talking about accomplishing a really big goal, when we're talking about changing the dynamic of our lives, our families' lives, our communities' lives, best just isn't good enough. So today makes day 44 that I have worked out physically in a gym every single day. Last month, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to stop doing this on again, off again dance with my physical fitness and going to the gym and working out. I've been working out and, you know, I could say in one breath that I've been working out consistently for the last two years, uh, at least a year and a half. But then in another breath, I could say to myself, girl, who are you kidding? Stop playing with yourself because you in that last year and a half to two years, sometimes my best looked like just being able to squeeze in one day in the gym. Sometimes it looked like going two days, three days. There was no level of consistency because I had a goal for getting fit. I had a goal for going to the gym, but I was trying to do my best and fit it around everything else that I had to do. And so then fast forward a year and a half, two years later, I'm not seeing the result that I want. I don't have the chiseled abs. I don't have the defined muscles. My, my, my strength and endurance is not at the level that I want it to be because I was doing my best. And my best was based on my availability. My best was based on my schedule, my clients, my appointments, my travel, right? My dating life. My best was based on everything other than what was required to actually get the result. So today I want to look you right in your eye and tell you, that your best is not good enough, we are doing what is required. So I had a mindset shift. I had a mindset shift at the end of last year. And I said, you know what? In order to get the result, I know that I need to be working out four days a week. Okay, so I started that. I, I went on this journey and I start hitting the gym four days a week. I'm starting to get the result. I'm feeling really great about the activity. I know that I'm doing above average work because I've never had an amazing relationship. I've never had an amazing relationship with going to the gym. So I'm proud of myself. I'm doing my very best. I am going to the gym four days a week. Then I end up having a back injury. And that back injury would keep me from being able to work out the way that I want to for about three months as I'm rehabilitating my back. And so then at the top of this year, when I was cleared and able to get back in the gym, I start going to the gym. And it's the same thing. Anytime you stop, anytime you stop doing something consistently, it's like starting over from day one all over again. Suddenly, I don't have the desire to go to the gym. Honestly, I never have the desire to go to the gym. I never want to go to the gym. I want to feel good. I want to look good. I want to actually be good externally and internally. That's all the motivation I need. But still, I struggled. And I was trying to convince myself that my best looked like showing up three days a week, four days a week. But it was because... I wasn't getting the result that I really wanted. The results weren't happening fast enough. They weren't happening big enough. I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I am going to force 
the habit beyond what I believe my current best is, I am going to force the habit of going into the gym and working out. And I'm going to do that by going every single day for 30 days. Because I've heard experts say it takes 15 to 21 times of doing something consistently to develop and create a habit. Well, I'm a little bit rebellious. I'm a little resilient, right? Or resistant. I resist the status quo. So I said, if experts say it takes 15 to 21 days to create a habit, then I'm going to do it for 30 days. And so you guys, I started going to the gym every single day. Every single day was a challenge. And then what would end up happening was at the end of the 30 days when I was ready to celebrate because I had done something that was better than what my best was and I'm starting to see the results. I went from having the bulge over my pants to now having a flat stomach. We still don't have the etched out abs yet. They're coming. Give, give me another 60 days on that. The abs are coming, right? We still don't have that, but we definitely see a major improvement just from pushing myself and challenging what I thought was my best. Now, a couple of things happen. I start to work with trainers, three trainers total, that each pushed me in a different way. I had a virtual trainer that pushed me in an accountability way because it's so easy to say, I'm not going today. He's virtual. He didn't have to get in his car to meet me here. He's right on his phone. It's not going to inconvenience him too much if I cancel. That virtual training helped me to a mental accountability. I had to show up for myself. I didn't have anybody waiting for me at the gym. It was me, my phone, and my trainer virtually. Second trainer, a woman here in Atlanta. One day I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at her. I'm watching her do these incredible workouts that, you know, those workouts that look like, oh, y'all are doing too much. Nobody needs to do all those movements and activities to be fine, right? Shout out to this trainer. You know exactly who I'm talking about. I be in the gym sometimes like, is this movement really necessary? Like, I'm just looking for that little, you know, that 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 cut right here. I want to get rid of this right here. And y'all got me flying in the gym, throwing balls up and down. It's too much. But I wanted to push past my personal best and do what was required. It wasn't necessarily required that I do these crazy movements, but I'm looking at this trainer and I see her doing what was called partner workouts. And I'm looking at her body and I'm like, wow, she's really fit. And I start looking through her timeline and I'm like, she's there every single day. So I send her a DM and I said, I want to do this workout. She did this crazy, insane workout with somebody. They had to have been working out for 10 years straight, like total, right? I'm like, I want to do this workout. I go to the gym. The next day, we do this workout. It pushed me beyond every limiting physical constraint that I had placed on myself. Everything that I told my body it couldn't do. I have a tricky left knee. This knee has been injured a couple of times. And so I lack confidence in really going hard on this knee. And so I start the conversation out with, hey, I'm going to do my best, but this knee, let's be aware of it. And I do need to be aware of it, but it's because I've been trying this by myself for so long that I didn't realize that I could actually do something to improve the strength in this knee. And then I could push myself beyond the physical limit that I had placed on myself. And some of y'all are thinking right now that this conversation is about the gym. 
And if you're believing that this conversation is about the gym, then you've already missed the message. I've got the virtual trainer who is holding me to a level of accountability where I have to show up for myself. I have to now be an indication of the level of integrity that I have where I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do, whether somebody is watching me or not, whether the cameras are on or not, whether somebody is waiting for me or not. I don't want you to miss that part. And now I have my Atlanta trainer, the first woman trainer that I've worked with in years, and I'm going in there and I'm doing this crazy workout. I'm talking about we're throwing weights back and forth and catching them back and forth to each other. We've got these medicine balls and they're eight pounds and 10 pounds and I'm jumping up in the air like I'm not 44 years old who hadn't created this regular routine of working out. I am pushing my body. I'm doing these high intensity training sessions with her, all this cardio, things that I've been telling myself, oh, I don't do cardio. I don't run. I don't do all. Yeah. The very reason why I struggle to walk up a flight of stairs really quickly without breathing heavily. The reason that I was physically in the position that I was in was because of these limitations that I thought I had to place on myself. So I start going with her and we're doing these insane workouts and I get it now. It's not just about being insane and over the top. It's about implementing fun into these workouts. And after this workout, it was the first time that I said, oh, my God. I can't wait to come back because it was so fun. It was so challenging. It pushed me beyond physical constraints that I didn't know that I could get behind. I didn't know that I could get past. And so what's what's the restraint or the constraint that you're placing on yourself? What is it that you think you can only do based on the amount of money that you have? What is it that you think you can only do based on your current health status? What is it that you think you can only do based on the resources that you have access to right now in real time? What are we doing that's gonna allow us to have an opportunity to be even considered in the running for being amongst the greatest of all time? And so I was singing the song earlier, Control, right? Uh, Never gonna stop being in control to get what I want. And my goat effort, I've always thought would be like being this dynamic entrepreneur because it's a great place to be in. It's a great position. And I'm going to take control of my life. I'm building life by my own design. I am doing exactly what I want to do. And I am not doing anything that I don't want to do. And let me just tell you something. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. I have some notes here that I'm going to be referencing and I want to get into it. So we're going to talk about some things that I wish I had known prior to becoming an entrepreneur because I think it's really important. See, when I stepped out, I didn't really have an example. And many of you guys don't have examples like that are close to you, maybe in your friendship group or uh, in your family group. You don't have a whole lot of evidence of what being an entrepreneur looks like. So you turn to the internet, you're on Instagram, you're on TikTok, you're looking at all of these third-party sources that are painting the picture for you as to what it takes to become not just an entrepreneur, but a high-level entrepreneur. And what you're seeing most often are the highlight reels. You're seeing very few people showing you behind the scenes what it actually looks like to be an entrepreneur and what it actually takes. You see the money, you see the lifestyle, you see the traveling, you see the joy, you see the free time, you see the working from the swimming pool or over brunch and just, it feels like those entrepreneurs, like we are in such control. 
And let me tell you a thing or two. Let's just get into it. So the first thing, <laughs> control. You're not in control of anything, baby, <laughs> as an entrepreneur. You are not in control of anything. Do you know why? Because as an entrepreneur, you are governed by your clients and your customers, okay? So you think that you can wake up when you want and go to bed when you want. You think you can show up when you want, but your customers are going to tell you differently. There will be customer service emails. There's going to be somebody who's completely not satisfied with what you've done. There's going to be somebody who wants you to treat their emergency like your own emergency. You don't have the control that you think you have. All right. So I just want to put that out there on in corporate America. You see your boss, you see your employer as the person who is in control of you. They tell you when to go to lunch. They tell you when to clock in. They tell you when to clock out. They tell you when you qualify for vacation time. Well, the beat of your business will tell you the same thing. There are going to be some days that you can't go to lunch when you want to go to lunch. There's going to be some days that you have to cancel, cancel lunch date with your friends. There's going to be some times that you want to travel, but work is requiring too much effort from you and you just can't. You don't have as much control as you want. You go from being governed and monitored by your boss to being bossed by your customers and your clients, okay? And a great entrepreneur understands that. An entrepreneur who is committed to giving value, providing value, and not just offering a product and throwing it out there and never hearing uh, feedback and implementing and executing anything different because of feedback, you understand that you are not as in control as you think you are. Number two, that you are going to become an entrepreneur and have all this free time. That is, <laughs> that is far from true. When you become an entrepreneur, you have less time, honestly, than you do as an employee. When I was working a full-time job, and it's been many years since I've done so, the standard work schedule for me was 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and sometimes when we were in the middle of deadlines or audits and things like that, I had to do a little overtime. And that overtime would look like an extra hour, maybe an extra two. As an entrepreneur, when you are in your process of creating your business, of perfecting your business, of uh, pivoting in your business, you will find yourself working 12-hour days, 15-hour days, 18-hour days. You will turn around, and at the end of the day, you will have forgotten to eat. You will look and say, wait a minute, did I eat breakfast? Did I have time to go to the gym? Did I even shower today? You will be so focused. Why? Because you have to be. Why? Because the success of this business completely depends on you. So if you are someone who's looking to become an entrepreneur because you you want all this free time that it looks like we have based on what we're showing you on the internet, don't do it. Stay employed because as long as, at least as long as you're employed, you have a set schedule. There are some days in my business where I work two hours, four hours. There's some days where it requires 16 hours of me. There are times when I am creating new offers, new programs, working with the tech team. Uh, there are contractors that we utilize in other countries, and you have to wake up, like literally setting an alarm to wake up to talk to somebody over in the Philippines or over in India or over in Nigeria that's doing some work with you, and they don't operate on the United States time zone. So what do you do in that instance? You set an alarm, and you're prepared to wake up, and sometimes 
times you're on a phone call with people from other countries for hours at a time until the job gets done correctly. So don't mistake for one minute that you get a whole lot of extra free time just because you are now employing yourself. Let me tell you something. I was just sitting here talking about um, loving myself and I was having a moment of just really feeling grateful by the amount of love that I have for myself. I was telling Bree and Reese that I just love myself. I just love myself. I just love myself. I just love myself. And it's so important to me to say that and to remind myself of this. It's so important for me to remind you to love on yourself, love yourself and love on yourself because there are so many things and people in the world that would try to convince you that you should feel bad for loving yourself the way that you love yourself. There are people who will make you feel like you are conceited for loving yourself. There are people who will make you feel like you are stuck up for lo loving yourself. There are people who will make try to make you feel like you should you are arrogant for loving yourself. And it is the most unreasonable thought. It is the most unproductive thought because loving yourself is going to be the catalyst that you use throughout your entire life to make decisions. When you love yourself, you make better choices for yourself. You attract better people. You attract better opportunities. You attract better circumstances. You repel those things that are not for you. You repel opportunities that are not for you. When you love yourself the way that I love myself, you understand clearly what your core values are. You know what your boundaries are. And you have no problem implementing a boundary against someone or implementing a boundary in a situation because you know that you're only doing it out of self-love. You don't mean any harm to anybody else. It has nothing to do with anybody else and how they feel, what they think, and what they need. It's about you and how you need to love yourself. So that's not even what I intended to talk about today, but I just felt in my spirit that I needed to remind you to love yourself. So I, as usual, I have all these notes and all these things that I want to talk about, but I made a post recently on social media and I was talking about motivation and people ask me all the time, what motivates me? I'm going to go to that post real quick. People are always asking me what motivates me. And it's one of those questions that I understand why you're asking the question. I understand that many people feel demotivated I understand that many people need something like you need something to make you move, to make you take action. I get it. I understand that that is the mindset of most people. Right. On the other side, though, when I hear this question and I hear people who are saying that they struggle to stay motivated or they haven't done something or if they, they've stayed in this pitiful situation because of lack of motivation. It's like I'm looking at you and it's with the most blank stare respectfully because I just don't understand why you even feel like you need motivation to change your life. Is it not enough that you're experiencing what you're experiencing? Is it a not is it not enough that you can't experience what you want to experience? Is it not enough that you simply have a goal that you actually do the work? I'm going to be honest with you. I am not mo motivated most days. 
When it was time to come in here and sit down for this episode today, I wasn't motivated to do this. It is raining outside right now in Atlanta, Georgia. It is absolutely storming outside in Atlanta, Georgia. I was in the comfort of my home, tucked into my covers. It's dark. There's no, like, I wanted to stay in my bed. I did. And I could have because I have enough episodes recorded that we could release episodes for the next six weeks without me coming back into the studio. But there's a couple of things that's going to keep me going. Number one, my commitment to doing what I said that I would do. I have goals. I have goals. And in order to accomplish these goals, I have to stay consistent with the activity that I committed to. Number two, integrity, integrity. So I am in a season of operating at a high level of integrity. And that really means doing what I said I'm going to do and being committed to that at all times. So I'll be honest with you. I uh, was in my bed this morning a little early, a little later than I typically am. I'm under the covers. You know how it is when it's storming outside. Now, imagine you live in a high rise building with floor to ceiling windows and the rain is just pouring and you can see it from the sky to the ground. That's the that's the vibe that I had going on this morning. Right. My dog wasn't begging to be walked super early. The temperature was perfect. That other side of the pillow was just cool enough for me to flip it over and have a few more minutes. Right. So I took those few more minutes. And when I got out of the bed to prepare to come to record the, today's podcast, I had less time allotted to, for preparation than I normally would. And you know what I almost did? I almost didn't make my bed. And I know that that's so small and insignificant to most people, to many people. I almost didn't make my bed. And that was an integrity decision for me. As I was walking around my bed, I instantly stopped and I said, no, you committed to doing the things that are simple to do because it's the practice of the things that are simple to do that makes the things that are not simple to do easy for me to do. So I went right back and I made up my bed. It doesn't matter. It's not my it's it's not my bed's fault that I decided to take a few extra minutes. It's nobody else's fault but my own. But it's also my responsibility to take accountability for my decisions and may and remain integral in every single thing that I do. I wasn't motivated to get out of the bed. It's my commitment. I wasn't motivated to make the bed. It's my integrity. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing that keeps me going outside of motivation, or maybe these are the things that motivate me, but the biggest thing that keeps me going is that I made a promise to my daughter when she was seven years old that life would look very different for her in her future than it did in that present moment. And I have to honor that promise. I have honored that promise over the years. I made a promise to her that we would never lose another home. I would never have another vehicle repossessed. Her prized possessions would never be able to be taken from her. I made a promise to her outside of the material things that I could offer her that I would become the type of woman, not just mother, but that I would become the type of woman that she would be proud of. And that is what I work every single day to be. Even now that my daughter has just recently graduated college, she's 21 years old, even at this phase, it's your job, my job in that way is never done. It is not done until I take my last breath and hopefully the work that I've done will continue to set the tone for her. Even at this time, I am, I am in a new phase of my life. She's in a new phase of her life. And the decisions that I make, I am always considering what kind of example am I setting for my daughter? Also, 
I am motivated by giving my daughter or becoming the type of woman that my mother is proud to brag about. I want my daughter to desire to be a woman like my mom or like myself. I want her to be able to look at me and say, you know what? I admire the Michelle Obamas. I admire the Oprah Winfrey's. I admire the Beyonce's and whoever she admires in her life. But my mom was my first role model. She set the first example. She showed me the first example of what a woman is supposed to be. That is what I have worked my entire life for. So when you are about to fix your mouth to say what motivates you, how do you keep going when you don't feel like going? Listen, the answer is you have to keep going. How do you do that? You attach it to something that's bigger than you. You attach it to something that's bigger than money because let me assure you of this. Money will never be enough to keep you going. There will come a time in your life where you're going to have the exact amount of money that you asked for. And when you get it, you're going to be able to accomplish that one thing that you wanted to accomplish with that amount of money. But then after that transaction is complete, what next? Is the next goal another, another amount of money? Is it another thing? Things and money are not going to be the things that keep you happy, that keep you going. People every single day that have a large amount of money are depressed and being treated and committing suicide and completely walking away from money because money is never the answer. You have to attach your goal to something that's so big, so big that is purposeful in your life. It's so big that you can't live with yourself if you don't accomplish this thing. I could not live with myself being a subpar mom. I could not live with myself having our things taken away, taken away from us in my child's face. I could not live with being a mother who was not a good example of what a woman was supposed to be. I couldn't live with that. I couldn't live with knowing all the sacrifices that my parents made for me and then I grow up and become an adult and turn out to be less than what I want to be. I could not live with that. I could not live with continuing to tell my daughter to go to school every single day and you better get good grades. You better be thinking about your future. You better have your head on straight just for me to be at home, at home doing the opposite of what I was telling her to do. I could not continue to encourage her to go for straight A's while I'm at home secretly and privately making F's. That's my motivation. That's what keeps me motivated. It is bigger than any amount of money, any number of clothes, any size brand or label, any vehicle that I could drive, any home that I could ever buy. What does my life stand for? What does my life stand for? And that is what I attached it to. That is what keeps me going and keeps me motivated. So when I wake up in the day and I don't feel like doing what it is that I'm supposed to do, it's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. 
I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. I can simply ask myself, girl, is this the representative that you want to put out there today? Is this in alignment with your better self, your best self, your highest self? No. But if I woke up and my money, my goal was attached to money, I could open I could open the app on my phone. I could open my banking app on my phone and look at the amount of money that I currently possess. And if my goal is attached to money, then I got enough. I have enough of that in the in the bank. I could tell myself, well, yeah, we're good. I can make up for it next month. I can make up for it next week. I can make up for it tomorrow. And I stay in the bed. I stay on the sofa. I stay being average. I stay running away from the work that I'm supposed to be doing. But my goals aren't attached to money. I have an income goal, right? I have I have a, a tangibles goal. But the overarching, the purpose, the purpose of why I am doing all of this is not attached to money. I am constantly seeking the better version of myself. I am constantly seeking what's next for me. I am constantly seeking my opportunity to be written about in, in history books. I am constantly seeking evolution. I am constantly seeking growth. And when I'm looking to be motivated by something, I am motivated about who I could become. I'm looking at, well, do I stay the same today or do I become 1% better every single day? 
Here's the thing. Most people are one decision or one connection away from the sec- the success that we desire, but we get stuck in these patterns and habits that prevent us from making these decisions that prevent us from creating the habits that we need to have in order to live a really dope life. And these habits are keeping you average. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Your habits today are keeping you average. Your habits today are holding you back. Your habits today are the reason that your life looks the way that it looks today. And let me be clear. It doesn't matter if you're looking a, living a pretty good life. If you have a desire to live a better life, then you have to create some new habits that are going to allow you to do that. Even if you have a little bit of success or a whole lot of success, if there's something inside of you that desires to get to your next level and you're not doing that, you're keeping the same habits that's keeping you at today's level, then what you're doing today is keeping you from being your best self and going to your next level. So when I'm talking about divorce today, I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about your significant other, even though some of y'all need to get rid of that dead weight too. But that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about divorcing habits. These are some habits that I want you to divorce. I want you to grab pen and paper, your phone, wherever you're going to take notes, and write this stuff down because we are breaking up with these habits today, number one. And these are no in no particular order of importance. These are just all things that I was really thinking about as I put uh, some conversations that I've had previously in order and I've, I've sorted through these conversations and I'm listening to people. People are always venting to me and I'm listening to the conversations and I'm hearing these repeat habits over and over and over again. And if you just get rid of these things, you can actually live life on your own terms. So let's get into it. Number one, here's a big one. Reese, they're not going to like me right out of the gate because everybody does this. Blaming your past circumstances, your parents or your childhood for what your life looks like today. Let's say that one more time. Blaming your past circumstances, your parents or your childhood for what your life looks like today. So I see this all the time. It's like, oh, I come from the hood, so I can't do X, Y, and Z. Or my parents weren't there, so I can't do X, Y, and Z. Or I didn't get this information growing up, so this is why I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and I can't do X, Y, and Z. And I'm here to tell you that that's a bunch of bull crap, all right? That's a bunch of bull crap. While your circumstances may not have given you a head start, the same head start that somebody who didn't have your circumstances may have received, you have the power, you have full authority to escape those circumstances and live life on your own terms. Let me tell you this. I say this all the time because I so strongly believe in it. You are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your own decisions. So that means that if you had some less than perfect circumstances as you're going throughout life and you're learning more and you're doing more and you're learning better so you can be better, you got to actually do the better work so you can do better and be better, right? We can't blame the fact that we grew up in the hood for the reason that we don't do certain things well today. Get a book, pick up a book, grab a mentor, look at all of the examples that are around you and decide to actually do better. Guys, listen, you have a choice. Remember a few minutes ago, I said most of us are one decision away from our next level. There's a story that I see pop up online every single year, and I love it so much. There's a story about these two twin brothers who grew up in a home with parents who didn't provide the best circumstances. They grew up in a home with a father who was an abusive alcoholic. They witnessed his, this father 
abused physically and emotionally and mentally their mother over and over and over again. And these two brothers were small children watching their father beat their mom, watching their father come home drunk night after night after night, and it turns into physical abuse to their mom. They watched this. And so as life would have it, they would grow up and become adults. One brother ends up homeless. He's an alcoholic. He has no money. He has no future. He's living in his past. Someone finds these brothers and they want to know why they're so vastly different. They interview the homeless brother and they ask him, how do you get into this situation? You don't have any successful relationships. You've abused women repeatedly. You are addicted to alcoholism. You're living on the streets. You're settling for this life around you. How did it get to this point? And he said, you know, I grew up in a home where my father was an alcoholic. He was an abuser. He was mentally unavailable, emotionally unavailable. And because of those circumstances, I am who I am today. That same interviewer would go and find the successful brother who is a, a top corporate level executive of his company. He's married with children in a healthy, loving relationship. He's available emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually for his family. And they say, hey, you grew up with an abusive father. You grew up in a situation where you saw your mother being beat. You grew up watching the man who was your role model, who was your example, be this alcoholic. But you are you don't touch alcohol today. You're successful. You're a healthy, happy family man. How did you become this man that you are today when your brother is homeless? How did you not end up like that? And he said, you know what? Because of my circumstances, because I watched my father be that man, I made it I made a decision that I refused to be a replica of my father and that is why who that is why I am who I am today and I am here to tell you that you have to stop blaming your past. It is not the conditions of your environment that is why you are who you are 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later. You've had time to create your own habits. You've had time to establish your own resources. You've had time to gather your own information. It's not your parents' fault. It is not your mom's fault because she didn't believe in your dreams as to why you're not who you want to be today. It is not your father's fault because he wasn't physically present. You have enough examples around you, enough options that are available, enough information that is accessible to you to make a completely different choice. So the first thing I want you to divorce is this attachment that you have to the subpar conditions of your past, to the displeasant, the unpleasant memories that you have of what you may have experienced from somebody in your youth. I want you to dis divorce from those memories. I want you to divorce from your habit of blaming those things for who you are today and why you're not doing what you are supposed to be doing today and for who you're not today. Are you, before you quit, before you give up, ask yourself, am I hungry? And I'm not just going to stop there. Am I hungry? And I say that because that's the one that we can most relate to. But the point that I really want to make is, am I physically well? You ever made a really bad decision, like an argument just started? You're driving in the car, you super starving. You're in the car with your spouse or your significant other, and y'all are going back and forth about what to eat. 
you're hangry at this point <laughs> and you're ready to just blow the whole relationship. Like, I'm done. This doesn't make any sense. It's a right. I know I have broken up with a person a time or two because of the bad decisions that I made when I was just hungry or exhausted, like I hadn't had enough sleep. Or maybe like the time of the month or something. That time of the period. month, yeah. like the 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 uh, number seven would be, are you well? So go through a well checklist. Have I eaten? <laughs> That's really important. <laughs> that explains a lot. That like, explains a lot. I, get, I, I, I give my wife a little more grace. To the point it. where there's a whole meme <laughs> that says, don't blame me for the, don't hold me accountable to the decisions that I make when I am hungry. Maybe, have you changed medication recently? This is a big one. Mm. I saw um, there was there was a, a mom who was talking about her third grade son committing suicide. And she couldn't figure anything out about him that's changed other than medication. And she's now suing the pharmaceutical company because one of the, or a few of the symptoms cause like depression and anxiety and you're not feeling like yourself. And the doctors think that this change in medication is a reason why he was feeling so outside of himself that he decided to quit in the most major way. Wow. Have you changed medication? Are you drinking enough water? Do you just need to get outside and take a walk? Have you ever just gone outside and hit some sun and you come back and you've got some, you're re-energized. You've got like a new perspective. Like before you consider quitting some your, uh, on yourself or on a thing, assess am i well are there is there a simple thing that i need to do do i just need to exercise eat drink some water get a hug that's heavy a hug do i just need a hug from somebody like do i just need to know that somebody i feel do i need to feel somebody else's energy this is really really important because if you just hug somebody maybe you'll feel their energy and you're ready to go again if you just have a conversation with somebody Maybe it'll help your mental health perspective. If you just eat a meal, maybe you're not short fused. If you analyze what you're putting into your body, the medication, the supplements, the whatever, maybe it will explain why everything is feeling different to you. And I'm going to close it with the number eight. How are you going to take my... I, I have to. Because you did it's, seven. It's, it's, look, look, look now. <laughs> I got to close it with a, num with a number eight. Are you over-quantifying and over-qualifying. Explain that. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. I, kn I know what it means, but mm -hmm. Reese is kind of... Are you... You know what it means, but Reese... For Reese, for the Reese's in the room. Explain Reese. Are you over-qualifying and over-quantifying? Meaning, are you using language like nothing is working? Everybody hates me. Everybody hates this. Nobody likes it. Is that true? Or the last two people that you talked to wasn't feeling the shirt, but did you forget about the last five sales that you made from people who actually liked it? Is it everybody that doesn't rock with you? Did you talk to everybody or did you just talk to the three people who were nearest to you? The three people who you just saw today? Is nothing working or is nothing about this one campaign working? And are you forgetting that something about the last campaign actually did work? Like, Sometimes you can be so down on yourselves, like everything that we're trying isn't working. Really? Well, when we were going to counseling, that part was working, but we quit counseling and we started mm -hmm. to try to just talk to our friends. That's not working. Yeah. But the counseling was working. Don't overqualify or overquantify using words like 
everybody, all people, nothing, nothing, everything, everything. When you think you have to break down those words because the thought that you rest on, the thoughts that you think are going to trigger how you feel emotionally and how you feel emotionally is going to determine how your, your, your depth to continue or your depth to quit. So watch the words that you're speaking and watch how you're over quantifying when really it was just one person. You had a bad conversation with one person and suddenly you feel like it's everybody. It's not everybody. Be clear. Well, two people of the last 10 people that I spoke to didn't like my shirt. And my feelings are hurt. And I now I got to do some work to figure out why my feelings get hurt when 20% of people didn't like my idea, but 80% did. Are you focusing on the small group of people that don't have your thoughts or your opinions or your likes and you're making them the big deal when you should be focusing on the larger number of things that are actually going well and making it the big deal. That'll keep you going. Another thing that I wish someone would have told me prior to starting an entrepreneurship, before becoming an entrepreneur, is that the money that you earn is not all yours. (laughs) So I will have seen people... Uh, as I was journeying through trying to become an entrepreneur saying that they're making six figures and seven figures. And I'm like, wow, that person is rich and they're doing well. And they've got everything all figured out when the truth of the matter is the business might make six figures. The business makes seven figures. The business makes eight figures. The business is doing $5,000 a month, but you are only bringing in a portion of that. You are only due a percentage of that. And if you're budgeting properly, you're probably due about a 15 to 20% maximum percentage your personal income, right? Nobody warned me that the money that my entire business brought in wasn't necessarily my money. Nobody told me that I would be paying myself a paycheck every two weeks, just like I do with my team, just like I did on a job. Nobody told me that if I brought in $10,000 this week, the maximum $2,000 of it actually goes into my personal bank account Didn't nobody tell me that. Didn't nobody. Why didn't y'all warn me of these things? Because what happens is you start making this money and you start improving your lifestyle. You you start upgrading things. You now move into a different apartment or you purchase a home or you're taking more trips and you're buying more shoes. The designers and the labels that you're wearing are upgrading and just everything starts changing around you. And then when it's time to make revisions and improvements and getting new systems and implementations in your business, you don't have any money. Why? Because nobody told you that being an entrepreneur didn't necessarily mean that you were going to hit the jackpot today. And (laughs) you're thinking this whole time I am working for it. I'm getting this money. I made $2,000 today. Listen, if you made $2,000 today at max $400 belongs to you. Well, what else are you doing with the money? Well, you are putting money aside for your taxes. You are also putting money aside to hire a team. You are also putting money aside to get systems in your business. If you have a brick and mortar, you're putting money aside for inventory. You're putting money aside for overhead. Money is being put aside everywhere but your pockets. 
And even though you may be generating a significant amount of revenue, depending on your business and how much it costs to run your business, depending on that, you might not be bringing in very much at all. I don't do things perfectly any day of the week. I do things intentionally, though. I am consistently intentional. And I think that's where a lot of people are missing the mark about what you're being intentional about doing. Some of us are intentional about hanging out with our friends. Some of us are intentional about getting our eight hours of sleep every single day. Some of us are intentional about staying committed to our weekly hair appointments and self-care appointments. Some of us are intentional about spending time with our children. Some of us are intentional about making sure they go to work and they do their job with excellence. But are you intentional about becoming the best version of yourself are you intentional about your own evolution? Are you intentional about doing something so big with your life that the results outlast you? I know. You know what I know? I know that God has called me to do something great. I was just on the phone with my cousin Candace earlier this week, and I told her she was asking me about decisions, decisions that I've made in my life. She was asking me about things that I have sacrificed and that I have gone without. And now we're coming full circle and I'm on the back end. And, and now I'm being intentional about seeking these things. And she's asking me about why I didn't do it earlier in life. And it's because I believe with my whole heart that I wasn't just called to just do full transparency podcasts. I wasn't just called to just do social proof podcasts. I wasn't just called to be a successful entrepreneur. I know that the calling on my life is so big that Donnie Wiggins is becoming and evolving into one of the greats. I am absolutely going to be a woman that's written about in history books. My legacy will outlive me. My legacy will outlive my daughter. My legacy will outlive my grandchildren. I know that the calling on my life is so big that I had to make decisions that didn't look right to other people. I know that the calling on my life is so big that certain people wouldn't understand what I was willing to go without. I know that the calling on my life is so big that I had to block out things that appeared to make sense in the present moment because I knew that I had a bigger mission to accomplish in, the, in a future moment. It makes sense to hang out. It makes perfect sense to hang out. It makes perfect sense to have a standing appointment with your girls for brunch every Sunday. It does. It makes perfect sense for me to, in my 20s and 30s, to be chasing men and chasing boys and really being crazy about that. It makes total sense for me to have done what other people to consider considers living their life. Y'all, look, if you're doing it, I'm here to tell you that it makes perfect sense. But if you are a person who, like me, you know that you know that you know that you know that there is a bigger calling on your life and you can't do what everybody does. You can't do what everybody else does. I truly believe there's a huge calling on everybody's life. I believe that. I don't believe that one person is any, any more special than the other. I think that there are just a few of us that are willing to answer the call that is on our lives. And you have to ask yourself, am I answering the call or am I ignoring it? I ignored it for many years. My life hasn't been perfect. I partied. I did things. I am incredibly grateful for my journey. I have lived and I will continue to live. I am living. But right now, my focus is on evolving into the version of me that motivates you, evolving into the version of me that inspires and impacts you. Before I sat down in here today, there was a young lady, I think her name is Latrice. When I walked into the studio, 
she was walking out of the studio. We spoke. I gave her a hug. A few moments later, she came back in. She circled back and she said, Donnie, I got to tell you, I had to come back. I know you're about to record your, your, your podcast. I know you're about to deliver a message, but I had to circle back. And I had to ask text day for me real quick. I want to make sure that I have his name correct. I have her name correct. She said, I had to make sure that I came back to tell you that you are the reason that I am in this studio. You are the reason that I said, forget it. I'm going for it. You are the reason that I have sat down now and I've recorded five podcast episodes because I saw you do it first. You are the evidence that with the lack of perfection, it can be done. You are the evidence that with the, with the decision to be committed to something, it can absolutely be done. So I came in here and I did it and I'm doing it and I'm going to continue to do it. She committed to 100 100 episodes being her ugly episode. She knows that her first 100 episodes, she's doing it ugly and she's okay because she knows that it's about practice. She knows that it's about repetition and she knows that there will never be a moment in time that she's going to execute perfectly. Living through the lens of who or what you used to be. Whew. This is a big one. Oh, I used to be this super successful person, but now I am. Oh, I used to be real fly and fabulous, but now I am. I used to be in such good shape, but now I am. I used to be this top performing athlete, entertainer, whatever it is, but now I am. You're living through your past as it's supposed to carry you through the rest of your life. Let me tell you something. All those things that you accomplished in your past, they're fantastic, amazing, great, I am proud of you. I want you to right now in this moment, applaud yourself for all of the accomplishments that you made in your past. But let me tell you something. If you're not active today, if you're not making movement today, if you are not pursuing your best life today, then what you're really doing is saying the things that you accomplished in the past don't matter. What you're really doing is saying that the things that you accomplished in your past are enough to carry you through the, your next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and it's not. Now, I'm talking to people who want to live above average lives. I am not talking to somebody who just wants to settle for whatever it is that they have right now. I am talking for, to people who say, listen, there is a level of success that I've not unlocked yet. And my goal, my mission until the last breath of me is to unlock the level of success that I see in my head. Because what happens is when you are really ambitious, when you are really determined to live life on your own terms, you have the vision, you have the picture in your head, you see it. You see it in your head. You're wanting to now unlock those things. But what you can't do is to continue to look, live through the lens of what you used to be. Your vision right now, your lens should be focused on the vision that you have for your future, not all the accolades that you collected from your past. Those things aren't going to carry you to your next level and the level beyond that and the level beyond that. I know you used to be that fly athlete in high school. I know. I remember. I saw the tape. I hear you talking about it. I see you posting your throwback Thursdays and your flashback Fridays. I know you used to be that girl and you were popping. You were real fine back in the day, girl. You had it going on. Hips moving, thigh to hip proportion. Everything is right. But you fell off today, sis. We can't live through those pictures that you got from the past, sir. I know that hairline used to be popping. I know, I know, I know, but it's time to shave that thing on back so you can step into the man that you're supposed to be today. And I know back in the day you used to get all the money, all the money. You was making all the money. I know you were, but today you've settled into this routine and this job that's not serving you, this job that's not allowing you to grow. 
You're not going for anything bigger than what you have right now. I know all about what you used to do, but it's not enough. Divorce your habit of living through the lens of who or what you used to be. It's time to create a new narrative. It's time to create a new story. It's time to become a bigger, better, more improved version of who you are today. And you can do it. Consider, did I do everything that I possibly could do? Mm-hmm. And this is a big one. This is in your business. This is with your hobbies. This is even in your relationship. We're really, really quick to give up because something isn't working in the moment. But did I hire the relationship coach? Did we try the counseling? Did I hire the business coach? Did I study? Am I only trying to execute based on the person that I am right now? Did I grow to the person that I need to become in order for this to work? Did I ask any questions? Did I humble myself? Did I go to the meetings? Did I do more than the average person does that also ends up quitting? Average people quit every single day. Did I do anything that's above average in my execution, in my research, in my utilizing my leveraging my resources that would put me in position? Like that's one thing that I am super serious about before quitting in anything. I sit down and analyze, did I do everything that I could possibly do? Mm. You have a fighter in me, baby. I am going to fight until the death of me. I need to make sure that there was not a paper or a stone unturned before I quit. And again, this goes with things making sense. Because if you're right on the verge of quitting and all it took was an accountability partner for you to get that piece, or all it took was a coach, or like David mentioned, it took a course, or maybe it took a different perspective, right? Maybe it took changing the green shirts and only selling black shirts. And now you have a hit. I am going to turn every stone to make sure I did it right. And Mm. when you're thinking about that, write out a list and be really clear. What are all of the things that could possibly help me? What are all of the things that could potentially be required? So when you're in the midst of the opportunity or whatever it is that you're doing, you're not thinking emotionally. You know how it is when something's not working out. Mm-hmm. You're super emotional. It's not worth it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your money. It's not worth your energy. You're just acting very emotionally. And it's difficult to think logically. Oh, I just want to quit. I want to give up on life. I want to give up on this. If you predetermine what all of the possible success pathways are, then in that midst of emotion, you can just fact check. Go to that list and say, nope, I didn't try this. Let's try this before I quit. Something that I wish I would have been told prior to becoming an entrepreneur is to calculate the amount of money that is required to live my life. Yep. Calculate the amount of money that's required to live your life. Why is this important? I see people becoming entrepreneurs, they're making money, they're selling their product, they're selling their offers, you're generating money consistently, but you hadn't yet even figured out how much it costs to live your life. So you don't know the difference between how much money you have and how much money you need and what's going to be left over, right? And so you're not setting goals correctly, We're setting goals and saying things like, oh, I want to earn six figures. Well, let's talk about that. 
Six figures is literally $100,000. That's $8,333 every single month and 33 cents. We're not going to forget that part. So let's look at it. You're making $8,333 every single month. Well, if you're... Uh, if you've left your job and you had created a lifestyle where your rent or your mortgage was $3,300, then you're down to, what, $5,000 now left of this $8,333 a month. Now we've got to factor in your utilities, your house, your, your, your utilities, your groceries, your car payment, your car insurance, your health insurance, your business insurance, your business expenses. What are those? Your payroll your contractors, your systems, the improvements that you need to make in business, your inventory. Now you also have to factor in, if you're a parent, your childcare, the after-school programs, the extracurricular activities, all of these things. What about your upkeep? What about your hair? What about your weekly barber appointments? What about your nails? What about those massages that you've got on regular rotation that you hadn't factored in? You have to calculate the cost that it require that is required the amount of money that is required to live your life because six figures sounds like a lot of money until you understand how much it costs to be you every single day. How much does it cost to be you every single day? It's absolutely critical because we just went down to about $6,000 that it costs to be you on average every single month. If you like the video that you just watched, click this one. You're going to like this one, maybe even more. Click it right now.